You're listening to Run With The Bulls, a podcast discussing a unique approach to everyday finance with everyday people. Run With The Bulls is sponsored by Mentoro, a financial wellness company. Now, your hosts, author Danny Kofke and the royalty of financial wellness, Whitney Queen. Welcome to Run With The Bulls. My name is Danny Kofke and I'm a motivational mentor with Mentoro. I am joined by the president of Mentoro, Whitney Queen. Hey, Whit. Hey, Danny, and hello to everyone listening. I am so excited because we are back. Season are. two of Run With The Bulls is here. Can you believe it? No, no, I can't. I can't. Um, you know, when we first started this journey, we really had no idea how many episodes we were going to do, how many seasons we were going to have. But uh, we had thousands of listeners actually tune in for season one, and they weren't just from America. Do you believe that people have tuned in from countries such as Germany, Argentina, Iraq, and even my former home, Poland? I know. It's been such a wild ride, and we so appreciate you being on the journey with us. We really have had some fun times, haven't we? Yes, yes. You know, and that's the thing, what we try to do, and hopefully it's, it sounds like it's resonated well with the listeners, is like financial topics are very serious, and they can be stressful, but we try to try to make it as enjoyable as possible, make it fun, and still there's some seriousness to it. We want you to, to take action, but at the same time, kind of make light of some of those things that we do that, uh, you know, that, that, that it's okay to make mistakes, but let's just learn from them and just try to keep a positive spin on it. Fair point. I'm curious in looking back, Danny, what's been some of your favorite points, maybe favorite episodes in season one? Right. I think my favorite episode was probably the one that we um, had Justin and Tracy, our spouses, on. I think first off, like going back to what I just said is that, you know, financial topics are serious. And I think a lot of times spouses don't talk to each other. It remains that taboo topic. So I really enjoyed kind of just opening up. And I mean, I'm sure you and Justin do and Tracy and I do too. But just to kind of show the listeners, hey, you know, if we can do it, you can do it as well. Let's just not keep those secrets, those money secrets, because, you know, it doesn't lead to anything good. That is so true. That is so true. I have to say, I thought you were going to say that your favorite episode was the one with Baby Smalls. Yeah, I mean, mo money, mo problems. That, <laughs> that, that, that was a close second. That was close. Absolutely. I'm sure, I'm sure Tracy's pleased that, uh, that she made it over Baby Smalls. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, she's listening, so, you know, I had to. <laughs> <laughs> I think mine was either the B word or frat boy gambling. I thought both of those were fun. Yes. Um, so we've got a lot of really great things in store for you this season. Great guests, fun topics, some exciting Mentoro updates, and lots of helpful tools. As one of our favorite teammates always says, you got to give the people what they want. Yes, and he's sure that he does that. Yes, absolutely. And if you ever have an idea for a topic that you would like us to cover, feel free to email us at podcast at mentorogroup.com. So that's podcast at mentorogroup.com with any kind of ideas, suggestions, or even if you have some comments and maybe something you enjoyed or maybe something you didn't enjoy. We love all feedback. So we just want to make this show as good as we can for you to help you on your financial journey. All right. Without further ado, let's jump into today's topic, financial independence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is so timely since we just celebrated our country's Independence Day. So with... What does financial independence mean to you? You know, I always love this question, and I've probably shared this with you before, but financial independence is, I would say, closely related to financial wellness and how I interpret that and what that means to me. And I would say it probably has meant different things throughout different points in my life even, sure. but 
what I could summarize it would be um, the financial independence means that I have options. Yes. I feel like we're so lucky to live in a country where we have choices and we have options at our disposal. Mm -hmm. So knowing that there are things there that I could take advantage of as long as I am wise and intentional, I I think that that's something that's really important to me. No, 100%. I love that options. That's, you know, kind of the way I look at it. And, you know, financial independence can mean different things to different people. And back to your point, depending on what stage you are in life, it means different things. So for some, it could mean having enough money saved to not have to work. But for others, maybe it's something where, you know, they're able to pursue a job that they're passionate about, even though it may not pay more than another job that they have an opportunity to take. So just different things to different people at different stages of life, for sure. Fair enough. I I also think it means like having the ability to live on your own or go and buy the things that bring you joy or save up for something really exciting handle an emergency whenever you didn't realize that you were going to experience one uh, as all emergencies arise, you know? Right. And I like what you had said, like living on your own. So there was a, a recent survey of young Americans between the ages of 15 and 29, 57% said they were financially independent because they were able to meet their financial obligations without needing help from their parents, grandparents, or others, right? So you have that young demographic, they think their financial independence for them, it means not needing that support from someone. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. I think the definition of financial independence will most likely change throughout our lives Mm -hmm. as we've touched on. No matter how you view it, unless you win the lottery or inherit a large sum, you're gonna have to work at it. Sure, and even if you win the lottery, you still will probably have to work at it because We had a story about a gentleman that went over $100 million and ended up broke. So, yeah, 100%. So our founding fathers knew that America's independence would not be achieved without a fight. And in order to win this fight, they needed to come up with a plan. The same holds true with financial independence. Coming up after the break, a look at some things to focus on during each decade of life. Welcome back. So when we think of financial independence, we may need to look at it as more of a marathon and not a sprint. You know, one of our principles is it's a process, not a singular event. Right, right. It's so funny because financial wellness is kind of the same thing. It changes, you know, over time. You know, and like we mentioned, financial independence can change over the years. So while a 25-year-old may look at it as living on his or her own, like 57% thought that's what financial independence was, this alone will probably not meet the definition of financial independence 10 years later. So while everyone's version will vary, we're going to take a look at some general financial goals that we may have during each decade of life leading up to retirement. Right. And, you know, I like this long-term approach since most of us will want to retire one day. We'll either be forced to or we'll want to, right? So, and at that point, the definition of financial independence will be having the ability to pay for our expenses and our pleasures without needing to earn a paycheck from an employer. So, the 20s, I'm, I'm thinking back to that decade, but this is a time period in your life in which habits are being formed. And that's kind of what's going to set the foundation for a strong financial future, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, practicing good financial principles in your 20s can set the stage for financial independence later on in life. 
Some common goals you can focus on during your 20s include building an emergency fund, saving for a down payment on a house. Uh, we've talked about this before, but contributing to a retirement savings account, paying off your consumer debt, student loan. I mean, you name it. Those are th This is the time to kind of start getting your house in order, so to speak. Right. And, you know, we've devoted and will devote entire episodes to many of these topics. But let's just kind of briefly just kind of go over each one. So you mentioned building an emergency fund. You know, it's so important, especially in your 20s, to build that up. A lot of times, you know, you're just starting off, you know, some characteristics. Maybe you just live in an apartment. Maybe you have been able to buy a house, whatever it may be. But you have to have that money set aside in your emergency fund because we've talked about it. Life is going to happen. Maybe you're only 23, 24 right now and you don't think, oh, you know what? I haven't really had to experience anything. But I guarantee you, you're going to have to replace the tires on your car if you drive it long enough. Your roof, if you have a house, will probably leak. Your AC is going to go. I mean, there's things that you and I have lived through, through time, through experience, but having that emergency fund will help take care of them. So you don't want to just, you know, have nothing set aside because stuff will happen. Yes. So funny story. When I was freshly out of college and, and living on my own and kind of learning how to manage my own money, uh, I had a situation happen where I needed to have an emergency fund and didn't. Mm -hmm. That's a story for another day, probably over drinks. But <laughs> Is it when you crashed your car into the tree? No. No, no, not that one? Okay. Not okay. Okay. One. Okay. It was another really fun situation. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> but ultimately what happened is uh, I didn't have the money set aside. And right. I, I was obviously like any kind of 22, 23-year-old living on a tighter budget uh -huh. and had to spend this money up front to cover the cost of the emergency. Well, I didn't have anything left. And so, I, well, I maybe had like $50 left to kind of last me through a week. Right. Um, so the only thing that I knew to do was to just go to Taco Bell and get the 10-pack of tacos nice. and eat a taco for every meal. I like it. I like it. Good for you. I mean, you know, when you're in your 20s, it's kind of fun, right? Exciting. But later on in life, is that as enjoyable? Yeah. No, yeah, no, you know. no not so much. But right. I, do, I, I do appreciate tacos much more now. Yes, yes. I can imagine so, right? Another thing we just talked about is saving for a down payment on the house. And I know, you know, right now, I mean, home prices, <laughs> I just, ugh, it'd be so tough to be starting off. So it may be one of those things, you know, it may take a little bit longer right now for someone just starting off to save for that down payment. But it's still, I think, something that, you know, most of us do look forward to is having a place of our own. So even if you start off with small, 100 bucks, 150 bucks a month and just put that aside, that way one day you can put a sizable down payment down on a house. Absolutely. I'm, I can't imagine where I was a few years ago getting ready to buy my first home is where I was today because right. it, it feels very intimidating. It does. It does. And then, you know, another thing that we just kind of briefly touched on was uh, contributing to a retirement savings account. And there, you know, we've gone over studies before. If you start earlier, how long you have that compound interest to work in your favor. And, you know, something just happened uh, the other day. It's actually last week I was driving to work and I kind of thought about, you know, my retirement savings. And I, we didn't mention this, but it's kind of like for me a big thing is not having a car payment. So my car, on the way to work last week, it hit 100,000 miles. So that was the second car I've been in that I've driven that I've seen it change to 100,000 miles. And do you know, let me think, let's go back, what grade were you in, and I'm just curious, in 2004? Um, I would have been a freshman in high school. Okay, so I have not had a car payment since you were a freshman in high school. 
Wow. So think of, I mean, so that for, for me, the key to one of my success, and I know, I mean, we have different, you know, I, there's different opinions on cars, but for me, having a family, not having a car payment enabled Tracy to stay home. We've talked about my story before for eight years on my teacher's salary. But I think about that. I mean, now I don't know what the average monthly payment is, but even if it's say 500 bucks during that whole period of time, and that's over a hundred thousand dollars. I've been able to contribute more to my retirement account, build up my savings because I don't have that car payment. So, you know, for me, that just fit my lifestyle, but something to think about, like if you can take away some of those things that, you know, that, that you, those payments that you have, once again, it may not make sense for you and that's fine, but there's areas of life I think that we all have to look at. And I think, you know, going into our twenties, that's when we're building that foundation. And if you kind of get used to something, it's easy to stay accustomed to it, right? So if you're used to having that monthly payment, it's just one of those things. Whereas we were used to not having it, kind of set that stage early. So then for us, even now, I mean, we talk about when trading, it's hard now with grocery store prices the way they are. But I mean, Trace used to walk around with a calculator and subtract because we had a set amount that we could spend at the grocery store. But it's still ingrained in us. So I think, you know, the big thing for a lot of people in their 20s, it's just setting the foundation. And kind of when you start living that way, I think they say, you know, it takes like 21 days to form a habit. With our financial principles, it takes longer. But if you stick to them, a lot of times you realize even later in life right now, we're still very cautious. And it, I kind of revert back to when I was in my 20s, even though now we have, you know, we make more money than we did then. But it's still kind of ingrained in me. And I think for a lot of people that are used to credit card debt, they start off that way, so it's just kind of the same. They're just used to it, and they don't want to change, so it just kind of it leads to where they're in their 40s and 50s, and they have a lot, a lot of consumer debt. Yeah, that's, that's a really great point and super impressive. It kind of reminds me of, you know, moving from one house to the next. It never ceases to amaze me how much junk you accumulate, right. <laughs> and you don't seem to realize that you have that much until you move from one house to the next. Right. And I remember my mom telling me when I moved to New York, you know, you take these things with you, then you move around and you continue to take them with you until you don't take them with you anymore. Look so how many storage facilities there are. Look around my town right now, they're building a brand. There's already like two or three storage facilities. They're building a brand new one. So now we have to buy places to store our stuff that we don't use and we pay money to do so. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah 100%. Guilty as charged. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but I think some of those healthy habits and some of that maybe rethinking or starting out with that positive mindset can take us into the next decade, which is your 30s. Right. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, that's kind of when stuff starts to get real. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's, it does. that's when you, you can't just uh, quickly call home or you're not crashing on somebody's couch. Right. You have a little bit more responsibility. You're a grown-up. You're, <laughs> you're in your 30s, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, and certainly you're a grown-up in your 20s, but I think people are more willing to give you kind of a, a hall pass, yeah. so to speak. But in your 30s, that's when you're likely starting to build your family, whether that's getting married or having children. You're maybe taking that leap into being a homeowner, You've got all these things that start to become really heavy right. responsibilities and can easily become financial burdens if you're not careful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and during this decade, I mean, many of us are probably making more in our careers in our 30s than we did in our 20s, right? But some of the things that, you know, the, the goals that we have to focus on, building a good credit score, eliminating student loan and credit card debt, probably, you know, possibly purchasing a home, and then making sure you are properly insured. 
and we can go over all these, but the main one, and we're going to have a whole entire episode devoted to this, and I think a lot of people overlook it, is the properly insured part. So like you just mentioned, once you hit your 30s, a lot of times that's when you're, you're starting a family, maybe getting married, whatever it may be. So someone is dependent on your paycheck at that point. Once you get married or you have children. So that to me is where you really have to look at that insurance because a lot of people overlook it. We don't think about it. And once again, you know, kind of a sneak preview later on this season, we're going to do an entire episode devoted to insurance. But make sure you do have the proper insurance documents, especially like life insurance, disability insurance. Those are two that many people overlook. So, some, you know, to, to me, that's kind of a, an important thing to do in your 30s. Good thinking. Yeah, um, Justin and I went through that a few years ago. Not the funnest. No, experience, no, no. It's horrible. I yeah. mean, because especially if you're just starting off in your, your career or you're just starting off in your marriage, you're already talking, you know, with life insurance, you're talking about death. Like no one wants to think that. But I mean, we actually, one of my good friends, his brother two weeks ago passed at 51 years old. I mean, like, it just happens like that. So it's one of those things I know we don't want to talk about. Just, you know, for me, that's probably one of the biggest highlights during your 30s is just make sure you have that proper, you know, proper protection in place. Yeah, absolutely. So I think these are some great actions to consider during the first two decades, kind of when you start out on your own. So when we get back, we'll take a look at some financial goals for your 40s and 50s. taking a look at some financial moves that you can make in your 20s and 30s to help you achieve financial independence. Danny, I hate to call you out here, but you know, I just don't have the personal experience really to be able uh -huh. to talk about uh -huh. the next decade. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Why don't you discuss some common financial goals that you should have in your 40s? Hey, it's okay because uh, <laughs> I'll be close. I'll be retired before you will. So while you're still working, I'll be sitting on the beach and I'll be sure to let you know. Yes, yeah, sending me all the pictures. Yes, yes, hundred percent, hundred percent. But no, um, you know, the '40s is a busy decade for many. Uh, during this time, most of us are making more than we ever have, hopefully, um, you know, in a career. And you're at the halfway point between when we started working and when we will retire. So thus, planning for our future is extremely important during this decade. Financial goals to focus on during these years include increasing the amount you have in your emergency fund, coming up with a plan to eliminate all of your debt, including your mortgage if you have a house, increasing your retirement savings contributions, and planning your estate. I like all of these points, and I think I can learn a lot from this as I move closer to that decade. Let's take a look at those a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. We hit it in the 20s to build that emergency fund, but in your 40s, you may want to even increase it more. So I just had, I had my, my oldest daughter graduated from high school, so now she's going to college. So we are paying for the room and board. Luckily, she got a, a full ride for the tuition. She has great grades. But we're still on the hook for that. So there's some savings that come into play that, you know, you think when kids are little, oh, they cost so much with diapers and formula. And I know that is, but like, it's nothing compared to the cost of college, I'll tell you right now. So it's one of those things that, you know, when you do get into your 40s, that you will, and hopefully, you know, getting her through college, and then she'll be on her own. And then I don't have to, you know, maybe in my 50s, don't necessarily have to have as much because I'm not as, you know, don't have as many responsibilities. But for right now in the 40s, it can be, you know, the expenses can go up for sure. That's a really good helpful tip there. I think, too, you mentioned 
coming up with a plan to kind of eliminate all of your debt. And mm -hmm. maybe this is not necessarily negative debt. Maybe this right. is not your consumer debt. This is things that you maybe don't want to take into your retirement years. Right. right? Like, and I, I said the mortgage, if you are a homeowner and, you know, not, you don't have to eliminate necessarily in your 40s, but have a plan to do so because if you're retired, once you retire, you are living on a set income, most of us, between if you had a pension, Social Security, but then your retirement savings. So if you can take away one of those expenses, and the mortgage for many people is their largest expense, if you can avoid having to pay a mortgage in retirement, well, then you're going to be able to live on a lot less. So I think it's kind of like I said, just maybe come up with a plan. And the beauty of it is, it's kind of like what was saving with compound interest for retirement savings. Just adding $100 a month to your mortgage payment and putting it on the principal can help you take years off that payment. So then once you do retire, you don't have that payment anymore. Yeah, I think this may be why you see a lot of people starting to downsize once they yes. get that empty nest. Yeah. yeah. Um, I always thought it was because my mom just didn't want to deal with cleaning a bigger house than she needed. But, you know, that would be. Yeah, I mean, we're in the same boat right now. I mean, we have a, a pretty big house. My mom lives with us in the basement. But, you know, four years from now, if Ella's in college, then too. You know, we're going to have three people living in this. So, I mean, we've, who knows? I don't know what the future, but yes, it's something, you know, that you could consider, especially when the kids are on their own, you know, maybe graduate college or have their own jobs and they're done with, you know, yeah, maybe look into downsizing. You may not need as big of a house anymore. And then you can you know, keep some of the, the profit that you made, hopefully from your house. And then that can add to your retirement savings. So then once again, you can kind of live on less when you're no longer able to work. I'm curious too, as a parent, I think there are some obvious expenses and things that you would want to plan for to maintain mm -hmm. your independence as it relates to your kids, like college tuition or things like that. But are there other outlying ones? Like I've heard of parents who hold their children's hand a little bit longer right. until they find that independence. Right. Should that be something that we factor in? I think so. And especially right now. Going into, again, with the, the cost of houses and how much it costs for a child to, you know, it's a lot of money. I think when Tracy and I first started off in our teaching careers, our first house cost $89,000. Granted, it was a smaller two-bedroom house, and it wasn't like, it, it wasn't a decent neighborhood. It wasn't, you know, it's a decent house. Can you find anything now? for No. I mean, it's like, so I think as parents now, and it's kind of in my head too, that it may be something that we should think about that our children may actually live with us a little bit longer because... They kind of have to. I mean, right now, I mean, I even think of a, a teacher, four-year degree. I think the starting teacher salary here in Georgia is like $47,000 a year. Good luck finding a house and being able to afford that mortgage. So, yeah, I think it is something, you know, in your 40s, if you do have kids that are kind of in their teens, it may be something to consider. And, you know, one thing I did mention to here, you know, talk about in your 40s is increase those retirement savings. And I'm going to kind of plug us for a second because on the mentoral portal, and it's such a great tool, it's probably one of my favorite ones, is that retirement savings calculator. So if you are a member, and if you're not, I mean, go to mymentoro.com and, and then sign up because it shows you exactly where you stand in retirement savings. And the great thing about it is we can take into effect, like if you have a pension, Social Security, what your current retirement savings are. Right now, let's just say in your 40s, and you can plug those numbers in, and we use the projections to see where you will be when you retire. And if you're a little bit behind, guess what? Now's the time that you can catch up. When you're in your 60s and ready to retire, that's not the time to do so. So the great thing about your 40s is that you still have 20-some years to catch up if you are behind. And that's why it's important to take a look at that. And then, you know, one thing, too, and we talked about it before um, with the insurance, 
This is kind of a scary one too. No one likes to deal with in their 40s, but estate planning. And I've mentioned it before. I've had a couple of really close people to me pass away and it was very, very tough, obviously, emotionally, but they both had their estates in order and it made it so much easier to just grieve for them and not find any surprises, financial surprises that we didn't know about. So, you know, it is, we said the 30s is when it gets real. The 40s, it's definitely real at, at that point. You know, get those estate planning documents, get that will, that power of attorney. I know we don't like to think about it, but what if you were, you know, hospitalized and couldn't talk and couldn't communicate? You want your wishes to be met. So we can bury our head in the sands all we want. We can do that with our finances as well, but it does no good. So definitely look into that. Right. Because I would say by the time you get to your 50s and then certainly as you're going towards your 60s to retire, having all of these things in place allows you to really focus on easing into retirement. Right, right. And we've talked about, you know, what financial independence means. So like to me, having all this stuff in order, it's kind of that peace of mind. And that's kind of what I think of with financial independence. It's options. But then towards the end, of, it's just knowing we've done well. We've put everything that we need to in place. And then that to me is true financial independence. I agree completely. So some of us can see that finish line at the end of our working lives. That last decade is an important one to ensure that all your hard work and planning did come to fruition. Yes. Yeah. Um, So financial goals to focus on during this decade, you're going to want to look at those risk factors. You're going to want to look at your investments getting a clearer picture of what your retirement's going to look like and preparing for maybe even some future potential medical expenses as well. Yes, definitely. Probably the most important thing too is just remember, finish strong. You've worked hard, you know, these whole times, a lot of times towards your end of your 40s and your 50s, you've worked 30 some years to build this. Finish strong. You can see the finish line and just, you know, go for it at the end. Don't give up now. Right, right. So while financial independence may mean something different to everyone, We hope some of the tips we gave will help you achieve it. Danny, it's been so fun to kind of jump back in the saddle today. Thanks so much for chatting. And thank you all for listening. Catch us next time as we run with the bulls. Run with the bulls is sponsored by Mentoro and hosted by Danny Kofke and Whitney Queen. Learn more by visiting mentorogroup.com.